I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Yes, it's come to this. You're listening to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show, back on the air this week, in spite of frankly disheartening popular demand. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight, and joining me in the studio is, I think it's safe to say, without question, the world's most respected cricket pundit, it's Tony Kerr. It's very kind of you to say. How's it going, Tony? Little blower. Yeah, it's good, thanks. It's been a while. Or has it? Uh, it has, I think. Oh, no, it hasn't. You're right. Well, it has been. Oh, yeah, I'm just cottoning on now. <laughs> <laughs> what I just said was a little bit too smart for you. But yeah. It's been a while for the listeners. It's not been a while for us, because this is the second time that we're recording this episode. We had so much fun doing the first one. <laughs> we just deleted it. Said, let's do it again. Let's see if we can, yeah. Let's have another crack. My computer crashed 40 minutes into uh, a recording. You know, I think the listeners are just going to have to take my word for it when I say it included, without doubt, some of the funniest jokes that I've ever made, some of the most astute points about cricket that I've ever made. Tony said some things as well. (laughs) Uh, But unfortunately, it's all gone. So we're just going to have to do it all exactly the same. You know, Tony, like if it sounds like Tony is only kind of fake laughing at my jokes, that's why. He's heard them before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it will be difficult to replicate that because I think we got into such a zone that I don't think either of us are really kind of conscious of what was going on. We were just, it, it was just, the punditry was just flowing. Yeah. Uh, it's which, magic in a bottle, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm exhausted. Whether I can get into, the, you know, whether I can channel that again. But I was saying, you know, we've loosened up a bit now. We've got a few overs under our belt. Yeah. Maybe now we can, maybe we'll just. It'll take us onto a new level of podcasting brilliance. Well, let's find out. How are you, Tony? <laughs> it's good stuff already. Yeah, it's really good, thanks. Yeah. We've got a few to ask for it, the third time tonight. It is, it is our first episode for a few weeks. Listeners may find this hard to believe, but you've been away. You've been on what I might venture to describe as a holiday. That's a strong word. But yeah, it was a holiday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where did you go and did you have a good time? Those are my first two questions for you tonight. Italy, yes. Okay, well, it's good. It's yeah. succinct. Crack on. To the point. No, it's nice, thanks. Yeah, very good. Yeah, good. A lot of eating and drinking. Yeah, exactly. Just the food, drink, see. You sun. actually told me you'd, you've eaten some vegetables. Yeah, I mean, I went out of my comfort zone and I had vegetables <laughs> and I did something I haven't done for a very long time. Which you were excited to hear about. I was very excited. I, I've heard rumours uh, that you read a book. And I say rumours, you told me that you read a book. You phoned me up. Adam, guess what? <laughs> I read a book and I was like, wow, what a nerd. You leave me to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, true story. Uh, started and finished a book on the same holiday. 
that's an unnecessary qualification because I, I don't think I've ever finished a book I've started on holiday or really I've started before or after holiday. <laughs> so, Just ever. Yeah. So uh, quite an achievement for me. Well, yeah, for, for new listeners, you are uh, famously anti-book. Well, it's because you're so into books that I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I have to position myself against you. Just for the benefit of the podcast, yeah, the dynamic. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, we're, we're the original odd couple. Yeah. Um, Even if it stifled my own progression <laughs> in life, yeah, I've still belligerently just held on to this. Like, I oh, know Adam likes books. Lame. Yeah, yeah. I think listeners will agree. It's really, uh, it's really benefited the show. <laughs> um, well, well, actually, a few years ago, you did make a New Year's resolution that you were going to read a book a week. Uh, very quickly, you changed that to to read a book, and he still didn't manage to pull that off. Well, not well. Correct. Uh, well, no, until... correction. That's the right word I was looking for. Uh, no, exactly. Correction. I have read a book. Well, so... not in that year. That was like twenty fourteen. Stick it. Mate. Mate. Stick <laughs> it. <laughs> Three years later, you've managed yeah. to to pull it off. It's a rush. You've actually written more books than you've read in the last few years. And how many people can say that? <laughs> as, a, as a co-author on the Guernsey Beach Bear, <laughs> you've actually you've written more books than you've read, including that book that you wrote. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good times. Actually, I was, it was my, it's my biggest achievement for a while, and I was very, very, <laughs> very, very excited to tell you, so let's not belittle it. You were, yeah, your girlfriend told me that you were stopping every sort of couple of pages to go god Bayfield's gonna be so proud of me this is true Bayfield's gonna love this I did briefly toy with the idea of Facebook living the (laughs) the last sort of two or three chapters it's quite fun reading isn't it (laughs) that's right I think it's quite fun telling people about the book you're reading you said it went straight into the uh, top five books you've ever read what was this book listeners are probably dying to know uh what was it the uh, yeah it's a football book yeah, the miracle of Castel de Sangre. I don't. In fact, I don't know if it's in, it's an Italian town, but we have a parish. This is really really boring for everyone. But we have a parish in Guernsey, spelt C A S T E L, which we pronounce Catel. Mm. But I don't know in Italy would they pronounce it? So it's spelt the same. Would they mm. pronounce it? Presumably not Catel. I don't know why you said this wouldn't be interesting Castel. to anyone. <laughs> it's just about the you know the different pronunciations of the word C A S T E L in Italy and Guernsey. <laughs> it's fascinating. Uh, no, it's I'm good. really, really beginning to regret that we uh, <laughs> we lost that first recording because you didn't make that no. laborious point in the first go round. Uh, but it, it was good about a small football team in Italy get promoted to Serie B, and just about their season, mm. written by an American guy who like falls in love with, with soccer during the uh, World Cup. Soccer, that's what they call it, isn't it? Yeah, so. soccer. And then he follows Alexi Lalas to Italy. For a bit, and then he stumped, yeah. Then he basically cottons onto this team and and follows them around for a year. And it's gone straight into your top five it's books gone of all time. Straight in, alongside what the Guernsey Beach guys. Yeah, that's number one. A uh, couple of others. Mister Men, Topsy and Tim. Yeah. Of mice and men. We had to read that at school. Yeah, exactly. Didn't? That still counts. <laughs> couple of issues of the Beano. <laughs> uh, well, we're not here to talk about books. Uh, what I want to talk to you about is cricket because quite a few things have happened in the cricketing world since we last did one of these time have you heard about this ben stokes yeah it's almost been we've been teasing the listeners because sort of two or three monumental things relatively have happened and we've not really you know we've not not bothered to get out of bed (laughs) uh so people are wondering why we haven't been weighing in yeah 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's been, been a big tease. It's been a pretty eventful few weeks in cricket, hasn't it? And we did that. We thought, yeah, we thought we better pop back to the Ashes. As I remember you saying on the first recording of this episode, <laughs> uh, we've got three things tonight that you know that could, on their own, uh, lead the program. Uh, ben Stokes, England's Ashes squad, and the big changes that have been announced in Test cricket. Uh, but obviously, what I actually decided to lead the program with was you reading a book. I mean, that's that's the most surprising thing that's happened in the last few weeks. Yeah, arguably. <laughs> Just for the benefit of the listeners as well, usually you're the one who's recording the podcast on your laptop. Mm. But because we've had an issue with your laptop, I'm doing it on mine. So I'm slightly nervous. Of it, uh, you know. I don't want to mess it up like you did. <laughs> so if you just if I get distracted, I'm just watching the recording record. Sure. If I go quiet or just don't respond, that's why. Yeah. Well, I can't see your screen, so yeah. Who knows? You could just be watching Ramsey's kitchen nightmares. <laughs> All right, Tone. Uh, well, let's kick things off by talking about Test cricket. Uh, yeah, because we've had some big news in the world of cricket this week. The new plans for both Test Cricket and ODIs, which were ratified at the ICC conference or, or whatever they call it. Tea party. In Auckland. Um, oh, I've opened a Crick Info article and it's now going to start playing a video. Why? Autoplay is yeah. one of the most annoying things in the world. I, I agree, because I don't genuinely don't think anyone is, well arguably there are occasions this is a real divergence isn't it? but there are occasions because of scrolling through Facebook that you might happen upon a video but I don't I don't recall ever stopping and watching a video based purely on the sound mm. there's no need to autoplay the sound just for the record Facebook this is almost as good as that Castel Cattel yeah. chat isn't it Tone very strong start this, strong start this strong second recording <laughs> um well, I was just opening this Crick Info article because I got a very neat little summary of the key changes to Cricket's structure. So I'll just read this Couldn't out. Couldn't be bothered to write your own. <laughs> no. yeah. Starting from 2019, so after the 2019 World Cup, a test championship, and they've put that in bold, uh, will be played between the top nine teams over two-year cycles, mm. culminating in a one-off final. Each team will play six opponents over this two-year cycle, three at home and three away. And I'll just add to that, is a, a minimum of two tests in, in each of those encounters, uh, but could be extended to five for, for the Ashes, etc., although I'm sure it will just be the Ashes. Uh, and then an ODI league, which will commence in 2020 to 21, comprising 13 teams, including the winner of the World Cricket League Championship. The ODI league will now be a direct qualification pathway to the World Cup, with the top 10 teams making it. So yeah, that's what we're looking at. Tom, what do you make of all of this? We've talked about it before. I think we talked about the, pretty much this exact idea what it was just in the idea stage. But it has now come to pass. What's your feeling about it? Mixed feelings, mm. I think. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to speak for both of us, but I feel like we're in a sort of post-context world on the, the World Cricket Show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're over context. And now everyone's big on context. Because that's that's what the point of this is, is to give some context to, particularly Test Cricket, but to ODI, you know, bilateral ODIs as well. Yeah, so I don't think Test Cricket's been lacking a huge... I don't know if context in Test Cricket... In ODI Cricket, yeah, like, I think that just the the ODI series that we've seen for years and years definitely suffer from a lack of context. Although, if you go back to when it was like the NatWest series or whatever they called it the NatWest Trophy 
that seems to have a bit of context. I don't know. That sort of triangular series. Exactly, like a triangular series was quite fun, and I do remember quite enjoying that. Uh, Test cricket, I don't know. But anyway, that's sort of by the by. For one, I would have preferred them to... Well, they need to be thinking about Test cricket, ODIs, and T20s, don't they? They've sort of... They've come up with this plan for Test cricket and ODIs, but they've just completely ignored how T20s fit around that. Which is the elephant in the room, really. Yeah, which is a bit of a... I don't know, it's a bit pointless, really. And particularly, I don't think they've got it right in terms of the number of World T20 tournaments that they want to host, because I I do think they should be every two years. Or even every year. I'd I'd happily have them every year. It's still every four, is it? I I believe so. Mm. (laughs) There's There's literally no way for us to find that out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... The test changes, interesting, uh, playing three series home and away, but we don't know how, yeah, the series are all going to be different lengths, not everyone will play everyone, so it's not really a proper league, And but they're still going to come up with some sort of point system, because I guess, you know, England could play, their three away series could be against, I don't know, New Zealand, West Indies and South Africa, Australia could, be, could go to Bangladesh, India and England. Yeah. Well, this is Which why, it, yeah. So every two-year cycle is going to be completely different. So really, there isn't any context because context relies on consistency, and there's none of that. Yeah. So it's context. It's contextless in many ways. Well, you know, take, take a, a knockout tournament. That makes sense because yeah, you have a draw. So yeah, no, obviously not everyone plays everyone, but then you funnel through to a winner. If you have a league, everyone has to play everyone <clears throat> for it to be a league. But this is neither, is it? It's neither a league nor is it a draw. And also, the fact it ends with a one-off test doesn't make any sense. Well, this is it. I mean, it's just, it's a bit of a mess, isn't it? It doesn't really make a huge amount of sense. I I would describe myself, my feeling about this, as cheesed off. We, as I say, we have talked about it. We talked about this when it, when it was just an idea. I'm not sure what episode it was. Again, there's literally no way. <laughs> if we go back, you'd be like, this is brilliant. This time, yeah. It's like, that bloody ICC, they'll never do this. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, probably if we go back far enough, I proposed exactly this <laughs> yeah. system. The, this is the troubling thing about this podcast, when you've reached 305 episodes, whatever we're on, is that we've probably made every argument in every different way. Yeah. Like you, I agree. I, I, I don't like it when you speak for me, but I, I do agree with you. I am post-context. I'm post... You know, I think it's a bit of a mis conceptual or, or a, 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 a misanalysis of the problem to say that the problem is that test cricket lacks context because test cricket does have a context of its own nothing's changed like th- lots of things have changed around test cricket but nothing has changed within test cricket from when during the 70s and the 80s and 90s no one was sitting around going god it's a waste of time you know <laughs> going to going to south africa to play a four test series what a waste of time there's no context here like it i don't think that that is the problem but even if it were the case that that is that that is what test cricket needs that what it needs more than anything else is context this idea doesn't provide context or it tries to and i just think it really fails because as you say a nine-team league over two years firstly two years i believe is too long a time to sustain people's interest to kind of to think that first series oh yeah we've won this so in two years time you know that, that'll really count for something in two years time well that's too far away I think 
but also like having a nine team league, I just think after like six months or certainly a year, it's going to be you know it's going to be obvious that some of those teams can't win it, and there's no relegation. So you know if you're way down the table with a year still to run on this thing, like it, it actually I think has the it could have the opposite effect. Where if, you know think about this series that we just had in the UAE between Pakistan and Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka won that. That's a big deal. You know, all right, yeah, played in front of empty stadiums, but that's the UAE is obviously a slightly special case. But I don't know whether it's it's like, you know, stopped traffic in Sri Lanka, but presumably like Sri Lankan fans are excited about the fact that, you know, they've broken this really long unbeaten streak for Pakistan at home. It's a significant result. But if you imagine that that was being played in the context of a two year championship and it was sixth versus seventh with, you know, six months to play and that neither team can get to the playoff. It could have the opposite effect where that series is just completely meaningless. The fact that it doesn't have any meaning within that context would take something away from Test cricket. On it, at the moment, each series has that context of its own where you want to win the series. I, I sort of feel like they've bottled it. Like if you're going to do that, if you're insisting that what Test cricket needs is context, it needs a league, then do it properly and have a two-division system. And yeah, we know why they're not going to do that because it would be you know, financially disastrous if India are in the lower division or India and England or England and Australia are in, separate, are in different divisions. But if you genuinely believe that the only way to save Test cricket is to have this context, to have a league structure, do it properly because doing it like this just doesn't offer any. I just think it's such a nothing solution, this. You know, having a nine-team league, well, that's kind of what we have already. Yeah. Um, but just with a playoff after two years, that's just one test. I don't know. I, I, I can't see myself getting particularly excited about it, to be honest. Sorry, that was a, I said a lot there. No, I think, I think you're spot on. I mean, yeah, so you're, you're one team, there are eight others, and they play six of them in the two-year cycle. Mm. Like, uh, you know, uh, are England going to play Australia in every two-year cycle? Presumably. Yeah. Uh, England going to play India then in every two-year cycle, presumably. Likewise, so you, you are still kind of siphoning off the the, the the bottom two teams or the least glamorous sides mm. are, are going to end up still not playing the big teams as often as they might want to. I mean, cricket has got some unique challenges. I don't think there are any other sports that attempt to do what cricket does internationally or, or what this proposes it. Because, you know, you look at like rugby... They have, you know, it's a similar situation in terms of the national, uh, international rugby is bigger, probably than domestic rugby. You have a World Cup, but then you just play your your regional tournaments. Otherwise, you have one-off Test matches or an occasional sort of mini tour. Uh, but otherwise, you know, the Six Nations is is yearly, mm. and it's teams from the same part of the world. And obviously, they're only playing a, an eighty-minute match, so that makes sense. But you know, cricket—it's an international. They're, you know, they're the nine or how many teams you want to include are from all over the world, different seasons, different weather conditions. So they can't. You know, it's no consistent. You couldn't say all nine teams are going to play Tesco. You wouldn't be able to do that anyway. But if you said there are ten Test teams, you wouldn't be able to say all. Uh, you know, start five Test matches on this Saturday mm. so it, it is very difficult in that sense so yeah and, and it's it's very kind and of, the scale of everything five days or they, they've suggested that four day yeah. tests could come in but the scale of everything makes it very very difficult to do what other sports do well it's very weather dependent as well as you say so like you know England can only play in England at certain times of the year likewise New Zealand and, and others so 
in trying to organize a kind of yearly calendar and fit everything in there are actually only these windows in some places yeah. which complicate things also there are fairly unique geopolitical factors as well yeah, in, in yeah. cricket which and this presumably is the reason why it's not the case that everyone has to play everyone because india aren't going to play pakistan so which is tough it's a small family and to have yeah. a couple of them that have fallen out is is awkward so but it, it, it is i don't know it's 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 almost an impossible task isn't it because you can't have if you said i oh, will have a test season from i don't know yeah january to june or something uh yeah you couldn't have england playing in Sri Lanka one week and then playing a home series the next week also for I suppose from a business perspective to sell <coughs> tickets for the first four days of a test match you know you need to do that a long time in advance market it really well mm. you can't just be like oh suddenly we're playing mm. so well, uh, maybe in England I don't know maybe you could do that and they'd, they'd still fill them <laughs> just rock up at <laughs> yeah. yeah rock up at Trent Bridge yeah the night before just be like right we've got a test match tomorrow <laughs> Um, yeah, no. You're I don't right. know, but the whole because th- you know, also those grounds are also trying to sell like gigs and stuff. You know, they're trying mm. to make. Money. I don't know. It is very, well, very. That's why it is extremely complicated, and they, so they've got a very difficult task. And it's like, like, in a sense, I don't want to be too critical because at least they are trying to do something. And I, I, I do agree that there is a problem like that. You know, Test cricket is hugely under pressure, and if they do nothing, it may well die, or at least you know, you know, or at least die in some parts of the world. Um, so I appreciate that they're trying to do something, but I just feel they've completely missed the mark here. I just think it, it's a really inadequate solution that also misunderstands what people like about Test cricket. I really don't think that there are many fans of Test cricket, and not just sort of like purists or MCC people, but anyone who enjoys Test cricket, who who this is really going to satisfy. Because I don't think the issue is the context. Like people who like Test cricket. You know, you you get involved in the test match and the test series, and that is enough on its own. I I know that England is slightly unique because, or it's different because there is the Ashes. So almost there is always a context because you're sort of building up to the Ashes. But nonetheless, I think you know England. Some of my fondest memories as an England fan are you know England winning in South Africa or England winning in India, and that has nothing to do with the fact that it pointed to the Ashes. Like it's you know England's triumphs there had a meaning of their own and I don't think it would have been any sweeter if it had you know given them a couple of extra points to push them up the table to try and get them closer to a playoff like I just I don't think that's the issue I wonder are we being harsh on the ICC and international cricket because yeah definitely if you rolled us back a few years we'd probably been talking about this saying yeah Mm. they definitely need to do this and the, the pace at which the ICC and cricket can move uh, limits them in that you know it's taken so long to get to this. Even now, you know what are we twenty seventeen? <laughs> uh, you know it's not coming in till after twenty nineteen or after the World Cup in twenty nineteen, and then we'll come on to the ODI changes. Not that they're particularly significant, mm. it would seem, or slightly. I don't know. Yeah, they are to a certain extent. But anyway, that's another year after that. So you know they've got to this point. And now we're like, ah, actually, we didn't want it anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You suck. Yeah, I know what you mean. It, well, it does. It, it it's closer than it seems. Like you know, twenty nineteen. Yeah, tw- tw- the concept of something coming in in twenty twenty one is like impossibly futuristic. But as you said on the recording that was lost, <laughs> uh, he said, uh, "If you're not concentrating, and someone asks you what year it is, you think it's sort of two thousand eight, two thousand and nine." And I'm very much in that boat as well. So it, it, it it's it's a bit closer than it seems. But yes, it's still. It takes such a long time to get things through. 
but I agree. Like, I don't want to be too harsh on the SEC because, as I say, they they do need to do something. But for me, I think forget about context and think like, how can we how can we raise the standard of Test cricket? Because that, to me, is the issue. Like, if obviously, yeah, Test cricket is under pressure from T Twenty and other things as well, the changing world generally. But I think if Test cricket was really good at the moment. I think it would be less of a problem, but like one of the issues is just there aren't that many good test teams around the world, and the quality of cricket that is played, and you know the the competitiveness of the cricket that is played is often not that good. We talked a lot about all these one-sided games, you know, one way or the other, but so many one-sided games. If you can solve that somehow, I still think there's an appetite for test cricket. I think people, when there is a really exciting test match, people get involved in it, but when the standard isn't what it was in the in the 90s and the noughties and maybe this is you know maybe it's a it's a chicken and egg thing because the the pressure of you know the advent of t20 might be one of the reasons why the standard of test cricket has gone down but that's what i think you need to concentrate on things like the quality of the pitches like the cricket that's played in the caribbean is just desperately poor because pitches are desperately poor compared to what they were 20 30 years ago those are the things for me that you want to concentrate on as I've said before maybe have less of it it's a slightly counterintuitive argument but I think one of Test Cricket's problems is that there's too much of it I think if you had fewer series fewer tests well maybe more tests in each series but fewer tests overall you know I've said before and I know there's lots of people who disagree with this but I would say have way fewer test series but make all of them five matches or at least four, because I think you know the narrative over the series, that's what gives it context, a sort of disposable two-test series that happens over the space of a week and a half is quite difficult to get excited about. But yeah. if, you space, if you have five tests and space them out, I think each test match becomes an event and it adds up to this narrative. But even, like, even when you do have a four-test series, if it all happens in a rush, like we were away for a week in July and we missed half of the England-South Africa series. You know, it happens too quickly, doesn't it? And becomes a bit of a blur and each match is a slight non-event I'd, I'd want to you know create that buzz by having it by making it more rare so those are the kinds of things that I'd be looking at I just don't think this solution really does what it sets out to do uh, yeah and uh, you know there are a lot of question marks and I, I think there's probably a way that this might, probably might not happen I don't know or will it change much I, you know I saw you know some people are saying well it, you know it sort of it seeks to address the slightly obscure and complicated point system mm. that's used to determine the rankings but actually it's going to have to be pretty complicated anyway because the teams aren't going to be playing the same number of tests they're not going to be playing the same people yeah. so they're still going to need some sort of formula some or sort algorithm of waiting for each nerd to, to work it out <laughs> this is where I come in yeah. I, 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 I don't know yeah I agree it's, gen, it's genuinely tough I mean I, I don't think they should have ruled out they could have a test world cup in a country with just like maybe a semi-finals and a final with four teams involved yeah having a one-off test to determine the winner of a two-year event does seem slightly silly to me when it could be a draw well yeah i mean surely well exactly what happens then well back presumably they might say let's have a six-day test or even a timeless test or something like that but it's still i don't know yeah it's just I just find it hard to imagine getting particularly excited about it, even if, even if England were there as an England fan. I mean, maybe I would, but I, but again, I come back to well, if you're a fan of another team who's not involved in the playoff, is this really saving Test cricket for fans of 
West Indies or, or Sri Lanka if they're sort of sixth or seventh in the table. I don't know that it does much and it, it may well have the opposite effect. I mean, one thing that obviously it is trying to do is, is put in place a more sensible structure. It's still, as we say, that it's not a sensible structure because there, it's slightly a lottery who you play in that period. But it is the case at the There's moment. There's consistency. It's, it's three home, three away. Exactly. Because but then they, they said you can play other series as well. And well, the likelihood is that you'll yeah. play, the teams will still play perhaps the emerging test nations or the new test nations for two test series here and there. There might obviously there'll be the five test ashes, all this stuff. So, so it's still... Still, to an outsider, it will still take a lot of explaining. It's still going to be baffling. Yeah. But it does, yeah, but there's some kind of idea that they're trying to straighten things out because obviously at the moment it, it makes very little sense. It's just up to the individual boards to arrange tours. And like, say for example, at the moment, like India are number one in the world, having played, what, like 15 or 16 tests at home in a row, having not toured outside the subcontinent for several years. Um, you know, Pakistan are coming back to England next summer, having been here last summer. And before that, they weren't here for six years. You know, like things like that. It, yeah. it, I think it makes sense to try and... Uh, regulate it. Regulate it, yeah. exactly. Um, but I think you can do that anyway. I don't think you need to have the rest of this proposal in order to have that kind of regulation. I do think it's harsh as well on Afghanistan and Ireland because basically what they've said is, like, no, 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 you're not allowed in. They're not allowed in. Oh, you're allowed in. Oh, but we've changed it. So you're, <laughs> you're actually now not part of... They're not really a full member, are they, at this point? And presumably that's why they gave them test status. Because yeah. they were like, well, yeah, we might as well. Um, because it's, it's sort of faux test status, isn't it? Because, yeah, they'll be test statistics, mm. they're test matches, but they're not really part of the club. They're, yeah. they're, they're an, uh, yeah, an and finally. Yeah, it's like sort of letting someone join the country club, but they're not allowed to use the jacuzzi. <laughs> it's that kind of thing, isn't Criminal. it? Criminal. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, also you've, you've mentioned it, but another um, uh, another announcement from this ITC, Jolly, <laughs> is uh, four-day tests have been approved, with possibly the first four-day test going to be South Africa hosting Zimbabwe on Boxing Day. We did briefly talk about this a few weeks ago, but, but what do you think about that idea? Uh, I don't know. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it, again, it, you know, coming back to regulating things, it's sort of, it's regulating something and then letting than deregulating another crucial aspect of it at the same time mm. and I don't like as some people yeah people have rightly pointed out like fight the, the concept of a five day test match isn't like didn't that's not how cricket was born is it it's, it's gone every which way yeah other than that but you know in our lifetime certainly it's a five day test that's what a test match is so it does, yeah it seems a bit Strange to me. Well, also, what like yeah, I'm, I'm sure yeah. you've seen um, a very sort of popular tweet that went around. I can't remember who by, but it's it yours. <laughs> I don't, don't want to say that, but no, it wasn't. But um, you know, saying oh, this is going to be a trial of four day tests. Well, we've been trialing five day tests for like seventy five years, and it's worked quite well. Like it works, doesn't it? And uh, I don't know. I just sort of feel I don't quite know what problem they think they're solving by this. I don't know how it's going to make any difference to people's enjoyment of test cricket like if if it's over in four days fine <laughs> but, but there's the possibility that it can go to a fifth day genuinely i think the the reason is presumably to do with like broadcasters so it, it comes down to money in the end but presumably broadcasters are quite into this idea because they don't there's one less day that they have to kind of book in their schedule so yeah. if a lot of tests are finishing in three or four days which they are 
you know, Sky Sports still have to set aside that fifth day to show the cricket. I suppose in, in Sky Sports' case, it's probably not an issue because they'd only be showing, you know, Stuart Broad 8 for 15 or whatever. <laughs> but presumably for other broadcasters around the world, it's an issue that they have to set aside five days and then it's not going to five days very often. So that's presumably the reason for it. But I just think, I, yeah, I mean, it may not be that it becomes the standard and hopefully not. But if it did, I just think, how are you going to... Like, if, the, if a day is lost to rain, it's just definitely going to be a draw. But also that thing of so many tests are sort of three or four days now is part of the reason for that, or at least it it might be different if it was only four days. The fact that there is a fifth day makes teams play differently, doesn't it? it like there might be a lot more draws if teams know that they, they they don't have that fifth day to worry about. They can just shut up shop or whatever. I, I think it will change the way that people play the game, and it, it might not be for the better. Yeah. Although again, we're not ever going to see four day tests in the Ashes. Yeah. Uh, or. It's probably just going to be like Ireland, Afghanistan will be playing four-day tests. Yeah, most of the time Zimbabwe. But again, I, I don't really know what. Which again, they're sort of not playing Test cricket. They've been yeah, they've been like duped into something. I... Not allowed to use the jacuzzi or the sauna. <laughs> um... And then if you move on to the ODI stuff, like yeah, that's that they've tightened the ring around that and that saying that the new league ODI league format is going to be it's going to sort of permit direct qualifications to the World Cup well, that's, that's what happens now anyway isn't yeah. it yeah I don't know it's just it's all very frustrating I was yeah pretty pretty cheesed off pretty hacked off pretty brassed off by this news and I do wonder if will we look back on this one day and think that was the day cricket died wow that's that's strong that's very strong I don't, I don't quite believe that but I do I certainly feel more disconnected from cricket than at any point in my life still connected enough to do a a semi-regular podcast about it but I do just think it's going in a direction that I don't like and I know it's not all about me and I know there's lots of people who presumably you know love that T20 is becoming such a good big thing and you know aren't as interested in test cricket and stuff but I mean I love T20 as you know but test is what it's about for me and I feel like they're tampering with and potentially ruining something that I love in Test Cricket and I just I'm pretty knocked off about it it's tough man (laughs) it's really tough tough to listen to (laughs) yeah yeah, no I agree well but uh, yeah I I, with you on that although equally I really like watching 2020 I love the 2020 World Cup the World T20 and yeah, you know they need to. I don't know. They, they, they need to have that in the conversation and need to work out what the hell's going on. Well, that's it. Because I'm not a sort of blazer wearing MCC. You know, I'm not one of these people who say, uh, you know, oh, it's it's pajama cricket. You know, <laughs> it's a load of rubbish. I love T20. I absolutely love it. But it's not Test cricket. No, but it's all part of the same. It's on the plate, isn't it? It's a roast dinner. You need all the. It's nice to have the mixture of ingredients. Mm. And, you got your nut roast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's test cricket. Yeah, um, boring. <laughs> Leave that aside. Then you've got Yorkshire puddings, which are T twenty. Yeah, but yeah, they haven't really worked out. Yeah, what the hell's going on with the domestic T twenty leagues and where they fit in, where the, like windows or anything like that? So, work to be done still. Mm. They got four years or three years. My door's always open. That's my message to the ICC. 
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, Tone. Well, uh, leaving the bigger picture aside, let's come back to some good old-fashioned on-field cricket discussion. Ben Stokes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, well, yeah, let's talk about England in general. There's lots to talk about with England. Obviously, the Ashes squad has been announced, but let's, let's maybe start with Ben Stokes. I'm sure nobody needs me to recap this story. Uh, but yeah, basically, Stokes' Ashes participation is in doubt, and perhaps more than that, perhaps more than just the Ashes, uh, after he was arrested following an incident outside a nightclub in Bristol. There's no charges as yet, but a a police investigation is ongoing, and a video emerged that that seemed to be a recording of the incident. Can you describe that video for me, Tone? Can you talk me through what happened? Tough as it is, it's a scrappy affair. It's late at night. Stuff happens, punches are thrown, then some... More punches are thrown by Ben Stokes, it appears. Mm. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look good at all. I mean, it, you know, I said this in the first recording. <laughs> Much of what I'm about to say, I said in the first recording. You'd have to take my word for it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's difficult to judge until the actual judge <laughs> or police have decided, isn't it? I think we'll let the judge yeah. be the judge of this one. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, I think, first, well, the bottom line, though, is that it's really bad for England obviously uh, yeah it's an unfortunate situation you know and I, there are douchebags around aren't there but like yeah l- you know, late night scrapping on the street is, is not what your sort of best player should be getting involved in and mm. whether he's the douchebag or the people who are scrapping with the douchebags yeah who knows we'll let the judge be the judge exactly I'm sure, I mean, he may not use the word douchebag in the courtroom, yeah. but um, yeah, well, I think so. He, obviously, he's been withdrawn from the Ashes squad pending the outcome of that investigation. You know, you've got to think they they didn't really have much choice but to do that. Obviously, there's you know people have different takes on on what really went on, and and you know different takes on that video. But I don't think that he can play Test cricket in Australia or anywhere else with the threat of major criminal proceedings. Uh, hanging over him so I, yeah I don't think England had any other choice sorry no no exactly and you know they said he's been suspended from the squad at the moment if it's cleared up by the time they go or by the time the series starts then you know it could be that he can be sort of parachuted in but I mean I, I don't know much about the, you know the criminal justice system mm. really but my gut would say it's probably not going to be sorted out by then given that the team leave in about two weeks yeah well so, I'm, I'm a 
qualified lawyer, as you know, yeah. and um, I, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Yeah, so I don't know, and even then, yeah, like what? maritime law. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough to you, if you're a betting man, you wouldn't bet on Stokes being involved at all in the Ashes mm. you, at this point. No, I don't think so. Even though, as you alluded to, he could still be exonerated. Like it, it's it's hard to believe if you've watched that video. Uh, it seems unlikely that he would be exonerated but obviously there is this narrative that that has has emerged which says that um what actually happened is that Stokes was coming to the aid of coming to the defense of a gay couple who were receiving homophobic abuse from the two guys that you see him going after in the video and if that does turn out to be true then it does change the complexion of things doesn't it it's it's it still wouldn't necessarily be enough to get him, you know, completely off the hook, either in a legal sense or in a sort of wider sense. But it does change the complexion a bit. I don't know though, because it, even then, though, like it, yeah, just watching that video, and it, yeah, we do need to let the judge be the judge of this. But you know, for me, watching that video, you think you just look at it and think, well, clearly those two guys, whatever they may have done, they're they're backing away, and I think it would be difficult to argue at least with that last punch you know the kind of right hook that that cleans one of them up I think it would be difficult to argue that that was really necessary and it just doesn't look good does it that sort of level of violence it's pretty ugly and I don't I don't know that even if that is really what happened you know he really was coming coming to people's defense I don't know that that's going to be enough to to get him off the hook and it's a difficult one as well because I I know obviously there are a lot of people who are sort of sticking up for Stokes and and uh, George De Bell who you know is someone who I you know have a lot of time for of respect for what he he has to say about things but you know he he tweeted something like oh when I watch that video I what I see is someone sticking up for their friends and I can see why he would say that if that is indeed you know that it, that really is what happened but there there is a danger I think that you can get influenced by who it is like you can have your view on the situation skewed a bit by the fact that it's Ben Stokes it's someone it's a player that we desperately don't want to see taken out of test cricket it'd be hugely damaging to England's Ashes chances and chances beyond that if he is banned or you know if he if he's removed from the team so you desperately as an England fan and just as a fan of cricket you really don't want to see that happen and I just wonder if if it wasn't Ben Stokes, it was another player. If it was someone like Mark Stoneman, you know, who's he's only just come into the team, or someone like Adil Rashid, who you'd be surprised if it was Adil Rashid in that situation. But if, if it was someone like that, who's you know not as vital to the team, his face maybe doesn't quite fit in the same way. If that was who it was, I don't know if people would be rallying round him in the way that that some people have been rallying round Stokes. Yeah, although I think it swings both ways, though, because yeah, in that sense, you yeah. know perhaps people are minded to be more lenient or more forgiving because it's Ben Stokes but then a lot of other people will be more uh, scrutiny you know there will be more scrutiny and a harsher treatment because he's Ben Stokes because he's the the big name in English cricket oh. yeah the, you know, the big IPL contract the tabloids are going to want to sort exactly. of tear him down and you yeah. know he's you know, got to slightly check it well, in the grand scheme of checkered histories his history isn't that checkered but he has you know he has a uh, He's had incidents in the past which make him slightly notorious, and he's yeah you know, he's he's not your he's not your typical sort of England. I don't know what's the expression. No, he's not you know he, he's not sort of uh, he's not Andrew Strauss, is he? Yeah, That's the, the expression I was looking for. <laughs> uh, you know, he's sort of tattoos and you know yeah. a bit more 
He's not a sort of gentleman scholar. Yeah, exactly. But that would... I would have been surprised if it had been Andrew Strauss <laughs> in that situation. But that, but yeah, exactly. But then you have to be fair. You have to split those down the middle, don't you? Mm. Yes. No. One. No, that, that's a very good point that you make. But but I was just thinking about it. You know, like comparing it to Mohammed Amir's case, where you know, obviously a very different situation. But similarly, I think we at the time and and other people at the time as well possibly had more sympathy for Mohammed Amir than we would have done for some other players, or indeed we did have for Salman Butt, because he was such a good player and such a good prospect, and we desperately didn't want to see him banned for five years. We wanted to see him play Test cricket. Certainly at the time I felt I had to kind of resist that drift towards being like, you know, no, give him a chance, because you really want to see him play. And, you know, similarly, Saeed Ajmar, when he was banned for chucking... You know, there was definitely a big part of me. It was like, nah, you know, I just want to see Syed Ajmal bowl, so don't ban him. And I, I just wonder if you know the same thing could happen here. And I, I, as I say, if it was someone that people didn't really care whether they played for England or not, I don't know whether they would yeah. see that video in the same way. The judge will make his judgment, and obviously the facts do matter. The, the you know whether or not it is true that he was standing up for people who are being abused, that does. If that is true, then it does make a big difference, and it, it it's still not great. Like you know, as we say, I think uh, even if that is the case, it still might not get him out of this. But it does change the way you think about it, and it might make the difference between him, you know, missing a few tests or missing a period of time, and him possibly never playing for England again, or at least having a very long ban. So yeah, remains. And either way, yeah, either way, it you know to return to cricketing matters, it leaves a massive hole, doesn't it? A gaping hole. It certainly does. So yeah, so Stokes uh, is almost certainly not going to Australia. But here are some players who are going to Australia. Uh, The England Ashes squad has been announced. This is some breaking news. Yeah, Uh, this is we're right on the money. I think we can exclusively reveal this Ashes squad because it was it uh, it was named on September the twenty fifth. Uh, the big headlines here are Tom Wesley dropped, no place for Mark Wood, uh, and call-ups for Jake Ball, Craig Overton, Mason Crane as the second spinner, uh, and uh, the middle-order batting options of Gary Balance, James Vince, uh, and Dawid Milan, who, who retains his place. And yeah, Stokes has been withdrawn, at least for the time being, and Stephen Finn called up. So what do you make of this squad tone? What's your feeling... Are you confident? Confident is not a word I'd use. <laughs> uh, nostalgic, actually. Nostalgic for the good old days of us getting battered, like, two years ago. <laughs> four uh, years ago. Four years ago, right? Was it four years ago? What, the 5-0? Yeah, yeah. That wasn't four years ago. It was, mate. No, that was two years ago. It was 2013, mate. <sighs> that was mental. Because <laughs> I literally, I was, my assumption that we play them all the time at the moment, <laughs> but that was four years ago. Four years ago, mate. Yeah, yeah. So, well, nostalgic for yeah, longer before than that. You mean for a better squad? No, just no. Make nostalgic for like when we just didn't have that good a team, and we get beaten by Australia. Oh, I see. Yeah. Like for the nineties. Yeah. Why? Because and this early... reminds you of that. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. I'm not, it's, so in, in a way, it's quite. I quite like it. <laughs> uh, in other ways, yeah, it's it's slightly unsettling. I mean. We've said it all summer. Like none of the questions that the select, you know, the selections or the, the people coming in uh, have been posed or have posed themselves 
have been answered. If that makes sense. Mm. We yeah, we didn't. No one. And it, this is not a new situation, is it? But no one has come in and been like, and we're like, well, there's there's yeah, there's our guy at you know at opener or mm. number three. Like, it's tough. So you know the, the the players they've come up with. I suppose they couldn't they couldn't do much better. They've just got to go with what they think and. Yeah, perhaps they've gone back to people they know a little bit rather than uh, bringing in people they don't. You know, like Vince is just a bit of a clutching at straws. It could go either way. Yes, although I suspect suspect there's one way way that it's likely to go. Gary Balance, we've talked about at length. You know, he's been there and not done it three times. So it's tough to get to be too optimistic about, about him. But then again, there's a reason he was brought in in the first place, so there is a sort of there's a, a nagging hope about the, likes, about the likes of Gary Balance. Well, and you said on that famous lost recording, <laughs> you said uh, at least he's a name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a name. We know. Like, I'm like, you know, like Joe Root, Johnny Burster, Gary Balance. He's yeah. in there. He's like, know him. He's played for England before. Well, yeah, we know him, and we know, <laughs> we know he's not good enough. Um, but you know, in the whole, that it, you know, there are there's there's a lot of names that have under you've underlined. Yeah, uh, you personally have underlined. <laughs> but then again, you've got you know any side that's got Joe Root, uh, yeah, Alistair Kirk like heading up the batting, and then you know the like Anderson Broad, you know, they're gonna have a chance. Well, this but is how it. much of a chance? This is it, and this is why it's slightly strange. Like, yeah, again, earlier on, you were you were talking about the sort of chasm between the predictions of some well, people me, yeah. and others. Let me read you some of those. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No one, I, I would, I'd venture to say that we'll probably be the only people who are like, yeah, as you put it earlier, giving the sort of, you know, uni essay answers. <laughs> where we're like, well, that's uh, one argument, that's the other. We'll come somewhere down the middle. Straight down the middle. People who aren't coming straight down the middle, the likes of Andrew Flintoff, if you've heard of him, yeah. Jim Maxwell, uh, Jonathan Agnew. So Freddie says, or is quoted in this BBC Sport article, saying that the England's current Test side are the best team we've ever had, and that it's not a case of England winning; it's by how many. He told BBC Radio Five Live. I don't know whether he was just like, joshing around with the ping pong guy. <laughs> uh, Jim Maxwell says that England will lose five nil. Uh, and that England are sending one of the worst ever batting lineups to Australia. Jonathan Agnew, coming from a similar position, says uh, this is the weakest party I've seen sent down under from these shores. So you know they're mixing their words there, mm. and it, you know that is in some ways surprising because there are, as you said, some of the best players of all time for England in this lineup, and some of the best players in the world at the moment. Okay, you take Ben Stokes out of that as well; it's a bit of a problem. Uh, but the ones that are left, the the guys that are filling in, yeah, not not that exciting. Well, yeah. So yeah, this is what, as you say, it it does seem, in one sense, it seems slightly strange to take the Agnew line of saying this is the weakest England side that's ever gone to Australia because it does contain some of England's best ever players, at least statistically, in Cook, Root, Anderson, Broad, and if you chuck in certainly Johnny Bairstow and 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 well, this is. I'm having to force this out, but maybe Moe and Ali. You know, you could say that England have got sort of six or seven genuinely world class players in the lineup. So when you compare that to some of the teams that went down there in the 90s, it does seem quite a peculiar thing to say that this is the weakest side ever. But nonetheless, there are so many problems in the team that I would 
veer more towards the Agnew end of things than the Flintoff end of things. Still going down the middle, like, you know, this <laughs> the end of my essay where I say, in conclusion, it was a little bit of both. Bob's your uncle, give me a 2-1. There are clearly some big, big problems in this squad, and there would be big, big problems whoever they pick. So, you know, the selectors do have a difficult task because there's not sort of obvious candidates. But that being said, I do think that they've got every big call wrong here. And I don't want to be too big-headed about it, <laughs> but I'm pretty convinced that I'm right about that. Now, I, I, I just think in every department, like even if you look at something like the backup seam bowling, like the, the first choice seam bowling looks strong if, if Wokes does come back to form. It's unfortunate that Roland Jones is injured. But if Wokes comes back, that's a, a good-looking seam attack. But the backup in, in Jake Ball and Steve Finn just is really uninspiring. And I understand why they didn't want to take Mark Wood because he's injured at the moment and he is so prone to injury. But he does at least give you that, you know, that X factor, which is obviously a cliche, but it's something a bit different. Whereas if, you know, if someone breaks down on the morning of a test and Jake Ball is thrown in, I just it, it doesn't fill me with much optimism and I don't think it would add much energy to the team. So just kind of everywhere you look, Mason Crane as the, the backup spinner again, I don't really understand that. They obviously really like him, but he's bowled about 10 overs in first class cricket and you know only actually played a couple of internationals and they said they weren't going to take any debutants on this series and it yeah it's a strange one and then we come to the the batting and you know you've mentioned how excited you are about Gary Balance there's just there's not a lot to be uh, confident about in that uh, batting lineup is there i think the, the, the just the worst part about it is you know and you, you everyone knows what the ashes is all about the England team know what going down under is going to be all about. You know they'll have it in the air from the likes of both of them that they're going to be in for an absolute, you know, cauldron, which they are. Mm. You know Warner saying Ashes will be war. You know, it, it, but just England on top of the Stoke situation, which is a massive, massive blow to have this England just going massively on the back foot. And so the danger is that they get blown away in the first test, and then where do you go? You know, it's a long way back from there. But I think it's partly of their own making, though, that they're they're on the back foot because I really do think and we've talked about this, the bad selections over the last couple of years a lot. But these are more bad selections, and I really do think that the there needs to be a change in the selectors because they're just not doing a very good job. And to 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 go back to Gary Balance again is baffling, and then to go back to James Vince, who you know he's clearly a very talented player, but he was dropped from the team after an extended run last year because he didn't cut it he's gone back to championship cricket and scored no runs and now he's straight back into bat at three and nobody saw it coming and rightly so because it's a completely insane selection and hopefully he'll he'll prove everybody wrong and have a brilliant series but it's a bizarre gamble Um, and it could be the stuff of movies in the future Vince could have could be a man of the series and it well maybe but yeah but you know you look at that uh, somebody like Sam Northeast, who I, you know, who I've been lobbying hard for uh, over the last couple of seasons, not even in the Lions squad. They re- obviously they they have some something against it. They have some reason why they don't think he's he's up to it. But you know, if you look at the numbers since the start of the 2015 season, this was a listener who tweeted this to us. I can't remember who it was. I apologise. Since the start of the 2015 season, James Vince has scored 1,812 runs at 33.56. Sam Northeast has scored 3,522 runs at 57.74. And, all right, selection is more than just looking at 
statistics, otherwise literally anyone could do it. But it still seems hard to understand why they've gone for James Vince on that basis alone. And yeah, at least one out of Vince, Balance and Dawid Milan is probably going to have to play all five tests because there just aren't that many. There's no other batsman in the squad. And that isn't very encouraging, I don't think. <laughs> there you go, get your BT subscription sorted. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm proved wrong, but I'm not confident. Well, you haven't got long to wait, because it all kicks off in about six weeks. Less. <sighs> very soon, isn't it? It's five weeks. Well, yeah, we, we've, we've always been a little bit sporadic of late, haven't we, in, in terms of uh, uh, delivering world cricket shows. But we're just kind of gearing ourselves up, because, yeah, once, once we kick into November... Uh, it's going to be pretty relentless. I think you're not going to be you're not going to be able to get rid of us. No, we're ready to go. We are ready to go. I've already bought my cereal. You stocked up. <laughs> I've stocked up on cereal. I'm ready for this. Much like Theresa May's speech at the Conservative Party conference, and the rest of this joke pretty much writes itself, doesn't it, Tim? And it's very topical as well. Only only two weeks out of date. <laughs> yes, like, much like the rest of it. <laughs> The podcast's over, is what I'm trying to say. I mean, that, that's just not to get too political, but it was, it was humorous just how absurd that speech was. Just like, even like the letters falling off the wall. <laughs> yeah. It's just brilliant. Well, that's why I thought I'd shoehorn a, uh, a reference to it into the end of the show here. Get it in there, mate. Mm. Have you had fun tonight, Tone? It's been good. Really good. Let's do it again. What's going on? You here for a while? Yeah, I'm here, yeah, here this week. It's a quiet week, is it? Just staying at home, reading a bit of, Dost- <laughs> Dost- <laughs> reading a bit of Dostoevsky. Just catching up on the reading. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, well, yeah, I'll be around for a little while. Yeah, so, well, we'll, well once we get to the Ashes, it'll be uh, all systems go, won't it? And before as well. Yeah. And perhaps next time, we, you know, we'll obviously we'll pod before the Ashes, a couple of times at least, and we'll have probably some more contemporary issues to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> you mean in politics? Yeah. In <laughs> British really. politics? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, you couldn't get much more contemporary than the the changes to Test cricket. That was in the last like seventy two hours. <laughs> well, how much? Probably take much... me a couple of days to edit this. So <laughs> yeah. be getting on for a week. Well, how much more current do you want? <laughs> if the answer to that question is none more current, uh, then you're clearly a fan of the World Cricket Show. And if you're a fan of the World Cricket Show, uh, get more involved in it on the internet. Uh, we've got a number of social media accounts, including, and this is some breaking news, Tone. Uh, that only goes back to about September the 22nd, uh, including an Instagram page, an online Instagram page. We're on Instagram, Tone, at World Cricket Show. It's just a a channel, isn't it? Social media channels channeling the World Cricket Show to your devices. (laughs) And we've really thrown ourselves into it as well, with with two posts already. Uh, Keep them coming. In the last three and a half weeks. There might be another post going up, Today or tomorrow, because uh, when I arrived here tonight at your flat, there you've got a little buzzer, haven't you? A little press that, and I had to wait for absolutely ages, like a minute and a half, two minutes. So I was like, "What is he doing? What is going on up there?" You eventually buzzed me in, and when I got up, you're like, "Yeah, sorry about that. I was just taking a picture of you, <laughs> just on the little monitor." Yeah. So maybe we'll put that on Instagram. So that's at World Cricket Show. Uh, we're on Twitter at Cricket Show. I'm at Adam Bayford12 and Tony is at Tony Cover. With a blue tick. Like us on Facebook, moving swiftly on from that. Like <laughs> us on Facebook, facebook.com slash cricket show. Uh, send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. I'd like to say as well, talking about books, 
Listen to my other podcast that I do. Here we go. Professionally. This wasn't on my script. <laughs> Gone off piece. Uh, for my work, or I work at the uh, public library in Guernsey. Check that out. Work. Interviews with authors. If you hit me up on Twitter at Adam Bayford12, uh, there's a link through to it there. So, yeah, send us an email, worldcreekshow at gmail.com. And if you want to support this show in a financial way, there's a couple of ways to do that. Uh, when you're doing your regular shopping on Amazon, if you go first of all to cricketshow.net and follow the link from there, anything you buy helps to support the show because we get a little bit of a kickback. So a huge thank you to everyone who does do that because many of you do. And if you want to make a regular donation, uh, you can do that on Patreon, patreon.com slash cricketshow. We're really grateful to all our patrons because it does help to keep us going. And Tony is apparently going to pull the trigger on ordering some equipment tomorrow. That's only the seventh or eighth time that I've said that. Yeah, but I think we are... This is the most excited I've been (laughs) about it. This is the first time that you've actually believed that you're going to pull the trigger tomorrow. Yeah, I believe my own hype. (laughs) Uh, So we might have some new audio recording equipment in time for the Ashes, which will be very exciting. Yeah. Hopefully it would mean we won't have the fiasco like tonight, where this is the second time that we've recorded this. Well, hopefully. But yes, that is the end of this one, finally. Uh, thanks for letting me come round, Tone. Stay in school, everybody, and we will see you soon. Bye bye for now. Cheerio. It happens to us all. It happens to us all. Each day, each year, yeah, yeah. I can smell your fear. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 